Good morning. Welcome to Encounter Church. My name is Dallas Darnell. I am the director of students here at Encounter Church, um, and I'm so excited to be with you this morning to finish up this series, Soul Detox. So I grew up in a very small town, and some of you may think, well, me too. I grew up in Dedham or Westwood, small towns, but that's not a small town. So my small town had a population, still does, of less than 300 people. The high school, the school I went to, K through 12, was all one building. I graduated with 18 people in my class, and that was a big class. So this was a very, very small town. Now, as you can imagine, and maybe as you know, living in a small town definitely has its disadvantages. But it also has a lot of advantages. One of them is that people will help each other out for no, just no, expecting nothing in return. My grandpa had this neighbor, and his name, we called him Mr. Morrison. And Mr. Morrison was the hardest working, most loyal, awesome man that I have ever met. And he would do anything to help anybody out. He also had a farm with a bunch of mules, like donkeys and horses and everything. And every single year, Mr. Morrison would come over to our house and he would plow our garden to get it ready for the following year. And when I say that he would plow it, I don't mean he brought a tractor over with a huge plow behind it. He brought a couple mules over with a single blade plow that they, he would hook up to the mules and they would pull this plow across the ground and he would just guide it. It looked something like this. And we had a big garden, so you can imagine how long this would take. Now, as a kid, it was awesome watching these animals do this work that they were made for, right? Um, it may seem kind of cruel, but, you know, the, the mules were made to do this. Um, we get to feed them carrots. We get to pet them and all this. And usually they would do it, no issues or anything. But I do remember one time that one of the mules just stopped, and he laid down. He was like, I'm done. <laughs> I, I'm not pulling this thing anymore. He looked kind of like this right here. Just like, I, I can't take another step. It's too heavy. It's hopeless. I am finished. And I think that many of us, if not right now, have been in that place at one time in our life. You can't take another step forward. You feel hopeless in your soul. You feel burdened in your soul. There's this heaviness on you. Depression, if you will, is prevalent in your life. Now, this feeling of hopelessness, this feeling of depression coming out of the pandemic is so prevalent today. And young people, adults, this is something that many, many people struggle with. In fact, I think if I ask you to stand up, if you have ever felt this feeling or if you know somebody close to you who has, I believe that if not everyone, almost everyone would raise their hand or stand up. It's so evident everywhere. And people are so exhausted. People are so tired. People are so like, I don't even want to get out of bed in the morning. I don't want to be around people. I don't want to see my wife. I don't want to see my husband. I don't want to see my kids. I definitely don't want to go to work. I am done. It's too much. I'm too exhausted. And as I approach this topic, I don't want you to think that I'm somebody who stands here and has it all figured out. In fact, I stand here as a very broke man who has had some dark, dark, difficult days. 
And I wouldn't say I have it all figured out, but what I have learned is how to manage it. How, there's just some things that I can do with the help of Jesus, and with Jesus' help, we can have victory over this, I promise you. So the passage I want to take you to is the book of Mark. Now, Mark is one of the four Gospels. The Gospels were written about the time that Jesus was on life, two, or the, on earth. Two of them were Matthew and John were written by Jesus' disciples, people that walked with him. Mark's one of the, the um, Gospels that was written by somebody who actually, he wrote it years later. They, they think around like 70 A.D. Mark spent a lot of time with Peter. And so this is kind of like Peter's account of life with Jesus. So a lot of scholars think that the book of Mark may be the most accurate account of the four Gospels. It's my favorite because it's so short and to the point, and there's no like a lot of detail. Mark just says it. Um, and so what we're going to pick it up today Jesus is teaching, and his like he has so many people coming to listen, and his followers are so pumped, right? Like the ministry's growing. We we gave up everything for this, and now everybody's coming around to hear, and they're so pumped. This particular day, there's so many people that are listening. Jesus is standing on a shoreline, and behind him is a lake. There's so many people up and crowding around that Jesus actually has to step back into a boat and kind of use that as a platform or a stage. And he's teaching from there. And so later that day, we're going to pick it up there. And it says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. Now, a squall is like a localized storm. A lot of time this has to do with snow, but it can also be out over the water. It's a very fierce storm of wind and rain and waves and just chaos all in one localized position. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Now, you may hear this, and you're like, what does that have to do about my, my feeling of hopelessness, my feeling of heaviness and depression? What does it have to do with it? Well, I think these guys that got in this boat, they maybe got in there thinking, you know what, everything's good. How bad can it be? We're going with Jesus, and they get out in the middle, and as they look forward, all they can see is gloom. All they can see are waves mounting, clouds forming, winds stirring, and they're just like, oh, I don't even want to go forward. And so what I think we can learn is, I think there's four things in here that we can learn from these guys that were in the boat with Jesus that they did, or maybe they didn't do so well. So I, I really have four don'ts, four things that we cannot do to fall into this feeling of hopelessness or things to remember. And the first thing is, don't sail alone. We were not made to do life alone. We were made to do life together in community. It, it says that, um, it, let us go there to side, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat, and there were also other boats with him. They. These guys did everything together. They slept together, they lived together, they ate together, 
they did life together, never alone, surrounded by other people in the same place as life as them, following Jesus, and it was community. I heard one time this, um, this church leader telling a story about how every week he would meet with some other people, some other men um, for breakfast. And they would meet and, you know, it was their community. He said, but every single week it was the same thing. It's like, how's everything going? Oh, it's good. Whew, man, things are good. You know, I'm going to church. Church is growing. People are coming. Things are good. How about you? Oh, man, praise the Lord. Things are so good in my life. My wife is so awesome, just so godly. My children are wonderful. And the next person, oh, everything's great, man. It's time after time, things are good. Things are awesome. Everything's great. And then one day, he says, he walks in there, and they're going around telling how great everything is. And they get to this one guy, and he says, I'm not good. Things aren't okay. You know, in fact, I don't even want to go to church anymore. I don't want to be around my wife. My kids drive me crazy. I, I find myself wanting to look at things on the internet at night that I probably shouldn't be. I find myself just wanting to take more and more and more of these substances just to make me feel full. I'm so tired and exhausted. I just, I'm done. And like the diner got quiet, right? Like the fork stopped stirring and other guys are like, oh my goodness. And then he said after about 30 seconds of silence, one of the other guys says, me too. I feel the same way. And then another one's like, oh, my goodness, listen to what happened to me. I didn't want to tell y'all because I didn't know. And they start sharing their struggles with each other. And he said from that moment on is when the community started. Because we were called to share our burdens and help let other people help carry them. Look what it says in the book of Hebrews. And let us not consider how we may spur one, I'm sorry, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. You need people in your life that love you, that want to help you carry your burdens. Don't sail alone. Don't do life alone. Um, the, the next thing that I, I think that is so important that we cannot do is don't forget about the devil. <gasps> he said devil in church. Uh-oh, listen, you better know there's a devil. You better know that he's in your life and he has plans for you. Yes, you have a God who has plans to prosper you, to grow you. He wants good things for your life. He has hope for your future, and it's awesome. But you also have some uh, enemy in your life who wants to destroy you. He wants to get you to a place where you're ready to give up. Look what it says here. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. I just imagine these guys scooping the water out and just, they're like, oh, just we're going down. That's it. I can't get any more water out of it. This is it. You ever feel swamped? Just like, I just can't. That's where he wants you to get. Now, you may not know this. Um, you probably don't know this, but you're in the presence of, of a former high school basketball Missouri State Coach of the Year. Yes, that's me. Um, and so I actually have this to prove it. 
Thank you. Yeah, you should clap for that. You should clap for that. Um, my wife and kids are about to throw up right now. They get sick of seeing this thing. Every time, like, they do something in a game, I'm, I try to tell them something like, Dad, you don't know. I'm like, uh, it, you know, it, it really wasn't like the whole state of Missouri. It was kind of like west, well, west central Missouri. Um, and there was class three. There were five classes, so it narrows it down a little more. And it was really just the, the, like the coaches around. Like, it was between me and like eight other people, okay? But I got the award and they didn't, right? Um, but the truth is I really wasn't even that great of a coach. I always just had really good players. Um, but this particular year, I coached high school girls basketball. And what I would do is we won the league that year. And so what I would do is I would find the, the team that we were getting ready to play, I would get film on them. And I would study it, and I would say, who's going to hurt us? Who's the one? Who's going to do all the scoring? Who's going to do the damage? And uh, I had this girl. Her name was Jess. Jess was an athlete. She actually went on to play Division I soccer. She was such an athlete. Wasn't a great score or anything. Hope she's not listening. Uh, but she, uh, she was a, a phenomenal athlete. So what I would do was like, Jess, here's your assignment. That's the one, number whatever. Lock her down, she doesn't catch the ball, and Jess would lock in on this girl. And she guarded her the whole game. And when I say the whole game, we had the ball, Jess is still on defense guarding this girl. Like, she's not catching the ball, she's not going to beat us. Now, if this girl happened to catch the ball, we immediately have a double team on her. If she starts to drive, now we have a triple team. She ain't beating us. We might lose, but she ain't beating us. I wish the Celtics would learn this about Giannis. Sorry. <laughs> Side note. Um, but she would not beat us. And so what you start to see happening is this girl would come out there and she's working hard. She's trying to get open. And she might get the ball, but then she's just swamped again and she just can't get away. And you start to see her getting frustrated until eventually towards the end of the game, she kind of just stands at half court. She's just like, oh, just defeated. We had her right where we wanted her. And that's what the devil wants to do to you. He wants you to feel hopeless. He wants you to feel frustrated. He wants you to give up. And he will do whatever it takes. And here's the scary part. These guys in the boat with Jesus, if you're doing something to follow Jesus and make the name of Jesus look good, you have a bigger target on your back. He wants to destroy you. I promise you, you're not going to believe this is true. But when I prepare, like, to speak or something, I, I, for my work, I drive around a lot. So I always practice in the car, like, speaking out loud. And, like, I look out the window, people think I'm crazy. Like, why is that guy over there going like this, talking? Like, is he on the phone or what? Um, but this past Tuesday, I promise you, I was practicing this part out loud in my car, talking about how the devil will come at you when you least expect it. And then, boom, I got rear-ended. And I was like, what in the world? world and I I got out of my car and the lady was so nice she's like are you okay I was like I'm fine devil you can't stop me do you know what this means Jesus wants me to have the ball and no I'm kidding I do that part but um I did get rear-ended and it's just it's thing after thing after thing distraction after distraction especially if you are in the boat with Jesus he wants to distract you you better realize that there's an enemy. There's a devil. This is one of the biggest things I want my children to know. He's telling you, you can't do it. Give up. 
you're not good enough. There was a poor performance. Man, just try something else. Forget about it. But Jesus says, you can do it. I got you. I'm going to take you through this. You listen to him. Um, listen, this verse says, uh, for their struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms in Ephesians. So yes, we have struggles with other people, but our main struggles are with the enemy because those are from within. And he's constantly in your ear. And people think, oh, he, he's not here in church. Oh, yes, he is. He's out with those people that are far from God doing those sinful things. No, he's not. He's got them right where he wants them. You made the choice to get out of bed and come to church today. He don't like that. Good for you. You took a step. Okay? Don't listen to the enemy. Uh, the, the next thing that I think that these followers did so well, the next two things are so profound. And, and just things that we have to do. And number three is, don't be afraid to shake Jesus. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion during this storm. Can you imagine? I mean, the wind's blowing, water's coming in, boat's rocking, and Jesus is snoozing. And his followers are like, they woke, it says that his disciples woke him. And said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? My son, uh, daily, um, every day we have to do a baseball workout. He has to pitch. He has to field. And I, yeah, I love it. It's great. But I, I've had a long day at work. As soon as I pull in the driveway, he meets me at my window, knocking on the window. Putting, he's like, all right, Dad, come on. We've got to go do our workout. I'm like, all right, buddy. Give me a minute. You know, I've had it. How was your day? Thanks for asking about my day. How was your day? Um, so, and he's like, all right, so I get out of the car, I go in the front door, he had gone around the back and meets me at the front door, all right, let's go, you ready? Let's go. I was like, Daly, give me a minute, bud, come on, I just, I just want to sit down and talk to mom for a minute, can I just have a few seconds? He goes, well, I gotta go, okay, you know, fine. So I go sit down, and here he comes again, been, he's like, it's been a minute, are you ready? Come on, we gotta go. And Don's like, Daly, give dad a minute, buddy, leave him alone. He's like, it's gonna get dark out, can't we go out and do it now? Come on, Dad, I ha you know, I have to do this to get better. And I was like, fine, let's go out and play. Is that what you want from me? He goes, yes, thank you. And I know what you're thinking. Like, that's bad parenting. Like, no means no. And I know you're right. That's, that's very, but I don't want you to hear that right now. What I want you to hear is the persistent begging of this child to make his father move. That's how you pray. I picture these disciples in this boat, and I think we read this, and we say, the, 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 they're like, Jesus, Jesus, it's, uh, it's storming. I, I think the boat might be going down. Um, do you, do you want to grab a bucket and maybe do something? I mean, can you sleep when we get to the other side? Do you, like, care if we drown? I don't think that's how it went down. This boat's going down. Like, there's water in it. There's scoop in there. They're crying out. They're scared to death. I think they're like, Jesus, wake up. We're going to drown. We're dying here. Don't you even care? Have you ever prayed like that? I think that's how we're supposed to pray. Jesus, I'm drowning. I can't take another step. I'm so sad. I'm so lonely. I'm so hopeless. Please, do you even care that I'm drowning? 
Help me, God. I think he takes delight in it. Because the Bible says the only thing that delights God is our faith. And I think that shows our faith that he's the only one that can save us. He's the only one that can calm that storm. Um, in the Bible, King David wrote a bunch of the Psalms. And he was kind of crazy, right? Reminds me of myself. Uh, he was like, one day he's like saying, God, you are always so you're so here with me all the time. You never leave me. You're so amazing. Thank you for being beside me. You're so awesome. And then like the next verse, he's like, God, where are you? You're never here. And it's like back and forth. And I think if you ever want to learn how to pray and cry out to God, just go to the psalm and read them out loud as if you're speaking them to God. There's the, I love this one. Um, psalm 143.7 says, answer me quickly, Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me or I'll be like those who go down in the pit. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go. For to you I entrust my life. He's like, this is the only, you're the only one that can save me, God. Help me. Please. I'm drowning here. Don't be afraid to shake Jesus. Say, Jesus, please wake up. Please help me. We're drowning. I need help. I need you. You're the only one that can do this. We're in this boat. We made the decision to get in here. Help us, please. So these, these guys are in this boat. They, maybe they look back on the shoreline, and they see all these folks that were standing back there. They came to hear the message, and now they're going home. They're good. But they're like, what am I doing in this boat with this guy? Like, we're... We're going to be out here and we're going to drown. I want to go back there. And I think the next thing they did is so profound. And the one thing that we have to do is don't jump ship. Stay in the boat. Don't you give up. Don't you quit. And I know it's hard when this heaviness comes upon you. This feeling of hopelessness. This feeling of, I just can't, I can't do another day. I can't take another step. And um, I, I get it. There was a few years ago at a nutrition conference, Don and I met this couple. Their names were Chris and Paige. Chris was actually on staff at a <coughs> church in South, or I'm sorry, in um, California. Um, and they, at the time, they had a little boy, one little boy. And they, I mean, just like seemed to have like it all together. Everything was awesome. And, you know, we, we, we during this time, this trip, we talked to him a lot and everything. And then we went to another conference and we saw him there. Um, but since then, they now have five children. They have five children under the age of seven. Yeah, that in itself, right? You're in the boat drowning? My goodness. This past summer, um, Paige unexpectedly passed away. And I j Chris just, I mean, talk about being in the middle of it. Like, this was just this past summer. Like, he, he's in the boat right now, and he's like, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know where to go from here. And I heard him speak recently. He, he spoke, and the decision that he has made 
is, like, I, I just, I, I want to stay in the boat. I want to be in the boat. And why? Because Jesus is in there. And nothing beats the presence of Jesus. I have to tell you, I would rather be in the boat amongst the rain, the wind, the waves, the chaos, the hurt, the frustration, the pain, the disappointment. Because where he is, is where we're supposed to be. And that's the only place where there's peace. Look what he does to the storm. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. See, what you don't realize is you don't want your circumstance necessarily to change. You don't want a better life, even though you maybe think you do. You don't want that next thing. What you want is a calmness in your soul. You just want peace. God, give me peace. And I promise you, it doesn't happen apart from him. You have to be with him in the boat in order for that to happen. So, just to kind of wrap up this series, um, a few years ago, my wife wrote a book. It's called Carried. Um, and it's, it's about, she had a pretty tough childhood, and she kind of tells the story about that. Um, and the books, you can buy the book on Amazon. It's like just a few dollars. You should buy it. it uh, and in fact, every dollar that's raised from this book goes to feed hungry children. And we have four of them. <laughs> um, but in the book... Don talks about how she, she tells this story towards the end. And the, the story is that when our, when our kids were younger, we would always have movie night. Um, we don't do it anymore because our kids go to bed after us. So it's like we, we just go to bed and there, the morning we get up and it looks like there was an absolute frat heart party in our house. There's just stuff everywhere. Um, but back then, you know, back when we were really good parents, we would... We, when our oldest two were young, we'd have, let's have movie night. Yeah. Pick out, you know, Kung Fu Panda, B-movie were a couple of our favorites. We'd get some popcorn, um, ice cream, you know, different snacks, whatever they might be. Um, but the movie nights always ended the same. And if you have little kids, you know what I'm talking about. About halfway through, they're just out, Right? Well, nowadays, if my kids fall asleep, I just leave them there. Like, we'll take care of that in the morning. Or, you know, maybe one of their brothers will put them to bed. But I ain't carrying them to bed. It hurts too bad. You know, but back then, you know, they fall asleep. And I pick them up, take them into their room. And while they're sleeping, I'd take them out of their clothes and put their pajamas on them. They wouldn't even wake up. Just exhausted. Sleep right through it. The next morning, we would hear them in there talking. And they, they were talking about, oh, this about the movie or that. Oh, that ice cream was so good, whatever. And I'll never forget, one time one of them said, how did I get here, right? Like, I just remember watching the movie, and the next thing I know, I just woke up here. How did I get here? 
I'll tell you how you got there. When you were too tired, when it was too much, you couldn't take another step forward. You were done. You fell asleep, and your dad took you in his arms, and he carried you to where you needed to be. Some of us are so exhausted. We're so sad. We're so hopeless. We're lonely. We're in the middle of a storm. And what God wants you to do is rest in his sufficiency. And while you trust him, and while you rest, there's one that neither slumbers nor sleeps. And one of these days, you're going to wake up, and you're going to say, my God, how did I get here? And it was by his grace and his grace alone that sailed you to the other side. Don't give up. Don't forget that you need to surround yourself with people. Don't forget about that you have an enemy amongst you that wants you to fail. Don't be afraid to cry out to Jesus. He's the only one that can help you. He's the only one that can calm your storm. And Don't you give up. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for just your presence in our lives. Amongst storm, amongst sadness, hopelessness, depression, pain, whatever it may be, whatever people may be going through. There may be people who are dealing with bitterness, a tortured soul, restlessness, anxiety. God, you know what it is. And I, I just pray that you would meet them where they are today. And I just pray that you would give us the courage to stay with you. God, I pray that you would just remove the enemy from our lives. Don't let his lies define us or destroy us or encourage us down the wrong path. God, I pray that you would set people free right now. People are hurting. People are ready to give up. There's sadness. There's depression, God. Won't you set us free right now? Give us the peace amongst the storm that can only come from you. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and stand if you're able. Um, so as we sing this final song, it's, it's called, It Is Well. And, you know, I, I don't know where people are today. You know, maybe you're like one of the people that were on the shoreline. And you want to come and hear... And you kind of stand in the back like, I don't even know about this Jesus thing. It seems interesting, but what I see is that out there on the water, there's pain and there's hurt. There's sadness. Why would I want to go in there where there's a storm? One of the biggest things that Christians do that frustrate me are try to put out this facade that once you follow Jesus, life is no longer hard. It's just not true. There's still going to be circumstances. There's still going to be pain. There's still going to be struggles. But there is also something that can only come with Jesus, and that is peace and joy amongst the storm. So maybe today is the day that you say, you know what, Jesus, I'm in. 
I want to give you my life. I want to follow you. I'm tired of the wrestling in my soul. I want my soul to be well. Maybe today's that. Maybe whatever it is you're struggling with, I just ask you to give that to God right now as we sing.